Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again, Lord, to gather us tonight, Lord, to read through your word. Lord, that we pray that you may grant us the Holy Spirit to illumine us and grant us understanding as we continue to read through John chapter 5, Lord. That we see uh, the relationship uh, once again between uh, God the Son and God the Father and see how these things will impact us in our lives as Christians, Lord. Help us uh, with this understanding, Lord, to live out um, more glorifying life for you. Submit ourselves into your gracious hands. We pray always in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as usual, uh, we shall read through the passage from John chapter 5, verses 31, uh, sorry, verses 30 to 47. And then today we shall zoom in to look at verses 31 and 32 itself. So let us first start with reading the passage itself. Uh, John chapter 5, verses 30 to 47. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me. And I know that the, the uh, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from men, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bears witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from my people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is no one who accuses you. Moses, on whom you have, there is one who accuses you. Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So let's read together again, uh, verses 30 and 31 and 32, and then we shall focus in on these two verses today. So verse 31. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me. And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. So, when we look at verse 31, now Jesus is talking about you know, himself bearing witness, uh, 
bear witness about himself and he himself needing a testimony. Well, no, it's, it's, as, uh, it's not as though uh, what Christ said was not the infallible truth. It is. It is the truth in itself. What Christ was speaking of is truth. Yet, this very statement itself is more because of the rule of mankind. There is a common rule of man when it comes to judgment. Testifying for your own self is and will not be considered as evidence. Yes, you can, you should, and you must speak the truth in the courts. In the eyes of the law, you should do that. But your own testimony of yourself, when it's stacked up against the evidence of others, especially evidences that are against what you have testified, that just proves you to be wrong. Now, in the Christian worldview, it is also the same thing. Is is it was a requirement in the Old Testament to have multi, uh, multiple witnesses to testify for you, in uh, for you, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter seventeen verse six it says here. On the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses, the one who is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one person. The law itself calls us to judge under the condition of two or more witnesses. Two, uh, yeah, two or more witnesses. One witness uh, in themselves is not enough. Now, this law, then the question comes, why is this law in place? Why do we need two or three people in place? Well, simple. It's because of the integrity of the sons of men. The sons of men who were one created in the image of God have fallen. And now they are, by what David has described in Psalm 116, that all mankind are liars. See, this rule itself was there not for Jesus, but this rule was there for men. Men are all liars. None of us speak truth. None of us wants to speak truth. It is in the nature, it is in our blood to not speak the truth, to testify falsely against one another for our own gain. There is the self-love aspect into it. Instead of the love of the truth, we love ourselves. We love what is to gain from speaking the lies to others. But yet Jesus himself, though he is the truth, though he is, uh, he bears the true testimony himself, he is caught in this situation where all mankind face, this difficulty that all mankind face. When he goes on to say, my witness is not true, if he's not bare, if, if he alone bears witness about himself, his testimony is not true. Now, it does not mean that, uh, it's not, it does not mean for something to be true, two or more pe people must witness for it. It just means that it should not be to be believed or admitted as authentic. This is once again speaking in human terms because it is in our corrupted nature. We need authentication. We need 
someone to prove to us to believe. It will be rendered as invalid in the eyes of the law and in the eyes of the court where Christ is now speaking from the Jews. In their eyes, even if Jesus, uh, whatever Jesus say is considered invalid to them unless he has witnesses. Hence, here we see a form of honour of Christ and how he himself is able to pull himself down to speak to us. Though he is the faithful one, he is the truth himself. His own single testimony ought to have been sufficient enough already for all mankind to believe. Yet, he is willing to give up those privileges to help us uh, and help confirm the faith of his people. In other sense, to help us to believe. He dealt with the weakness and the failures of man's faculties and does, uh, does, and does it to, to help us to see uh, what is what. Uh, help us to understand in our own terms and help us to see in our own terms. See, Jesus himself did not need to bear this witness itself to anyone. But yet he's willing to come put himself down to do away with that privilege to come to us in our on our human terms to speak to us. That's the beauty of Christ himself. And that is the self-sacrifice of Christ himself. You know, how often we talk about how Christ gave up his honour that he has in heaven, the enjoyment that he has in heaven, just to come down to this world to become a lowly man, to work as a humble man, and to ultimately die as a man. How much did he give up? You know, how often then do we contemplate about that aspect of Christ? Here it talks about the, well, the privileges of Christ being the truth himself. He should be sufficient in explaining everything to us and not needing a testimony for himself. But yet, the man is insufficient. We choose not to believe in him. We choose not to accept whatever he says unless we see a testimony of him. And Christ is willing to give that up. Christ is willing to give that up for the sake of our failures, for the sake of our uh, of our incomprehensibility, uh, for the sake of all those things, he chose to give them up, to give us, or in this case, to give the Jews more testimonies. How often then do we think about these things that Christ has done for his people to help us to understand? to give us testimony to understand, to give us more proof to understand, to give us more basis of our faith. How often do we contemplate about this aspect of Christ? How much sacrifices that Christ has made for the sake of us and ultimately shown in his death? Yes, his death is the greatest sacrifice that Christ has done for us. But how often of times do we forget other sacrifices that Christ has made that builds up ultimately to the sacrifice on the cross. See, if we know all the other sacrifices that Christ has made for the sake of us sinners, 
we will have a greater appreciation then of Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross itself. So with that greater understanding, we have greater basis and greater uh, understanding of how we should give thanks to God for what he has done for us. And so I want to leave off verse 31 with that. When Christ himself bore witness for himself and gives testimony for uh, and grants testimony for himself, it is not for his sake of proving truth, but it is for our sake of understanding truth. So we need to understand that first of all. We need to have that grasp of it. As we move on to verses uh, 30, uh, 32 and onwards, because subsequently Jesus is going to explain about this, uh, the witnesses that he will put up to the Jews and also in a way to put out towards us. So let's move on we, uh, to verse 32 itself. There is another who bears witness about me and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. To satisfy the craving of men for a testimony, to satisfy the craving of the Jews themselves to have a testimony, he produced uh, he produced witnesses for them. Who is this witness? Well, I would like many people out there propose that this witness is God the Father himself. However, if you look into verses 32 onwards, you see a few different characters uh, being presented as a form of witness. First of all, uh, when we look into verse 33 itself, we talk about John. John bore witness to the truth. Christ being the truth, John bore witness to the truth. But we have another we have another thing uh, in verse 36. The works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bears witness about me that the Father has sent me. So now we have two things ready. One is John himself, John the persons. Now the next thing we have is about the works of Christ. The works of Christ bears witness for Christ. And the next thing is verse 37. The Father who sent me has himself bore witness about me. So in, in some ways, I would say that what Christ was doing and what Christ was saying here when he's mentioning all these things, I would suggest that it was a built-up. It was a built-up to help the Jews and even help us to see how he starts off with a man, John the Baptist, ultimately growing to the works that Christ has done, which is also uh, perceivable, which is also physical, which can be seen. And ultimately, to God the Father who cannot be seen. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he sent. But for those who believe in the one whom he sent, we have the word abiding in us. We will have the testimony that the Father bears. So I would suggest like most people that the witness is that is mentioned here would be God the Father. However, other people have disagreed on this point uh, a bit. Um, so the other group of people who, uh, when as they read through verse 32, they would suggest that the witness itself was speaking about John the Baptist. Well, first of all, the reason being that John the Baptist was mentioned explicitly in the next line. So Jesus 
was speaking about a, phys- uh, a humanly figure that bore witness about him, a humanly figure that lit the path for him. And so that was Job. John himself, could, it could be also because John himself was a well-respected person, he was a well-respected prophet. And at this point, even though John uh, is thrown into jail already, he was still bearing witness for Christ. He's still speaking about Christ. He's still speaking about what he has came to do. John is still laying that pavement for Christ himself. So some people have suggested that. And another reason why they suggest that is that if they look into verse 31 and verse 32, the, the witness itself was referring to a person. The understanding of the witness itself is referring to a person, more, uh, more to be more exact, a man, a human being that was bearing this witness. And so the father himself is not human, doesn't have the nature of man. So the most likely person that this was referring to was John. So no matter what, whichever side that we take, nonetheless, ultimately, we see that Christ is witnessed by both. This is something that we ought to agree by. So the witness that Christ pretended was not just one, but he presents a few evidence, a few witnesses to them. So I thought a bit about John, uh, how John bears witness about Christ in the past when we look into, as we, as we look into the earlier part of John chapter 5, we see what John the Baptist has done in baptizing the people, in calling out to Christ and calling his uh, John's disciple to follow Christ. So we have seen the aspect of John's, uh, John's witness for Christ already. So let us look at the other aspect then. You know, when we talk about another person that to bear witness as God the Father. Uh, first of all, one of the reasons why I would suggest, uh, like most people, that it is God the Father is that when we look further down into John, the book of John, when we look at John chapter eight verse eighteen, we see here, "I am the one who bears witness about myself." And the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So the emphasis is placed here in John chapter 8 verse 18. That the Father does this act of bearing witness for the Son of God. Observe then, if this is the case, the seal which the Father puts to his commission. He, bear the witness, he, he bears witness about Christ. Not only has he done so by a voice from heaven, but still does so by the token of his presence with him. So who are they to whom God will bear witness to? First of all, those whom he sends and employs, where he gives commission, he gives credential. Now this is something that should not be unfamiliar to us. In the time of Exodus, the credential that Moses was given is the evidence of the great I am. Remember the Lord told the Moses when Moses asked who should he say uh, that has sent him. The Lord said, the Lord commanded, I am who I am. God is the one that uh, journeys with Moses. 
God sent Moses, God employs Moses, God chose Moses, and the presence of God was with Moses throughout the journey of Exodus. So the presence was there with Moses, and the presence is here also with Christ. God commissioned Christ, God sent Christ, and God is with Christ, and God gives testimony to Christ. Second goal of Pete, uh, the second point uh, to whom God uh, bear witness about is those who bear witness to him. So Christ did. God will own and honour those that own and honour him. As we see throughout over and over again this whole aspect of honouring Christ honouring the Father, the Father honouring the Son, that kind of interaction that they have between the Trinity, that shows the test, that is the testimony between the Father, uh, from the Father to the Son. That the Father receives honour when they honour the Son. When they honour those who came to bear witness to Him. They honour the Father. Next thing, those who decline bearing witness of themselves. So Christ did. God will take care that those who humble and abase themselves and seek not their own glory shall not lose by it. That those that seek the glory of God the Father, He bears testimony and He bears witness to them. So it is very similar even for ourselves as Christians when we want to look at it that way. We have been sent out by Christ. We have been commissioned by Christ. We are told by Christ to go in his uh, but told by God to go in his name. Go in God's name. God to go in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, to preach the gospel, to say the gospel. Tell people about the story of God the Son. And who are we accompanied by? We are born witness by God the Father. We have been born witness by God the Father. And so this is really something that we need to think about more. When we are out there preaching the gospel, when we are out there sharing the story of Christ, does that question come to us? Who sent us, who commissioned us, who bears witness for us, who is telling us to do all these things? Is it the church? Is it the leaders? Is it our parents? Who is it? The answer is God. God bears witness for us. God calls us and God commands us to do all these things. And our duty is to honour God through these acts, through these deeds, through these works, just as how Christ himself has done so in John chapter 5. The next thing that we see about Christ is the satisfaction Christ had in this testimony. I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. I am very well assured that I have the divine mission and do not in the least hesitate concerning it. Thus, he had 
to witness in himself. The devil tempted to question his being the son of God, but he never ill. The devil tried to tempt him and question his identity, but he never ill. That is the beauty of Christ, of, of Christ having the witness of the Father and the testimony of the Father. You know where he stands is God the Son, and he has the assurance and he has the accompaniment of God the Father, and he himself is the truth of all these things that the Father has spoken and that he himself has spoken. So, I will end us off here today with those two points in those two verses. And I really want to go back and think through these few aspects. For Christ himself to sacrifice certain aspects and certain privileges that he had for the sake of the failure of our incomprehensibilities, for our own failures and for our own sin. Christ is willing to give up certain privileges to show us and to help us to understand. He didn't just simplify the understanding of God, but he even, uh, he even sacrificed certain aspects of himself to help us understand. And when we look at the commission of Christ, of whom bore witness about him, when we are out there preaching the gospel, who is bearing witness for us that what we say is true, is that the Father is there with us, that he testifies with us because he is testifying for his son, because we are also testifying for his son. We are also witnessing for his son. And so what fear then is there if we have such a great witness for the testimony that we have for the gospel that we have for the world. How much of a comfort is there that the Almighty Creator is with us, bearing this gospel with us, bearing the gospel of Christ with us to tell the whole world about Him. So I'll end us off here today with that. As really, I really hope that once again we can go back and contemplate about these things as we read through John chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. Again, think about how these things can apply to our life and think about how we as Christians can share these testimonies to the people around us. So I'll end us off here today. Uh, can I have Ti Hong to close us in prayer? Um, Lord Jesus, I pray that we can, um, from today's learning, we can learn your word and remember it. Please let us uh, have a peaceful night ahead. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.